In the city, if you're walking down the sidewalk and somebody starts waving and talking to you, you kind of go the other way thinking there might be something not right with the person. Here, everybody's popping out of their shops and they're, good morning, good morning, hey, hey, you, come, you know, it's just, that's just how it is. People are in each other's business a little bit more, I guess. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. A storm came through last night. The early evening pregnant with July humidity and a slow rumble from the horizon. Summer storms seem to generate themselves out of thin air. Billowing cumulonimbus thunderheads unfold themselves upward and upward and upward. It does magical things to the falling light of the day. And then there's this rush of rain-scented wind and, you know, you're in for the fury and splendor of light and sound and downpour. But it's this morning that the power went out. The house with an eerie quiet, all the little lights of our modern conveniences are silent. The electronic hum, not there. The spacious feeling of pause and the recognition that an everyday miracle like electricity doesn't register as a miracle until it's not present. These past few months have been about slowing down and living into time and space in a rhythm that's dissynchronous with our instantly connected world where we imagine we connect at the speed of thought. But that internet-mediated link, while it comes to us with the redemptive promise of connection, it also amplifies the very worst tendencies in us and spews it out to the world with the speed of fiber optics. It's nice, at least for this moment, untethered to the electric hum that sets the metronome of modern life to sit with the emptiness that arises without access to the portals that promise friendship, but mostly serve to steal our attention. I've been thinking about stepping back from digital communications, read papers instead of screens, books instead of conversation threads, and realign my attention from Instagram slogans, Twitter snarks, and the cherry-picked curation of life that I use to reflect back to myself that I'm making good use of my time here on the planet. I reckon last night's storm set something in motion and now there's a tree across a power line or a substation flooded and shorted out. It makes me think about the last time there was a global pandemic and massive social unrest in the USA. It was 1968, the summer of love, Woodstock, the assassination of Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy. Our country was in massive turmoil then too. It was television that brought the Vietnam War and race tensions into our living rooms. It changed things. How the internet influences this moment? That's yet to be seen. But in this slice of time without connection to that great story machine, the internet, there's a sense of quiet that feels both familiar and edgy. Not unlike the edginess of quiet that arises on the meditation cushion, when the mind begins to settle and the ego starts making lists of what needs to get done or the world will utterly come apart. And perhaps this is what's needed, a kind of coming apart. It's everywhere in nature. It's in all the great mythologies. There is a force that tears structures apart, just as there is one that takes the raw opportunities of this moment to build something anew. The question I have as I sit in the quiet is, which of these am I giving my attention to? Am I looking to destroy or create? And am I even capable of discerning the difference? I came of age in the early 70s, back when the back to the land movement was catching its stride. It caught my attention, but this suburban boy couldn't work out how substance farming and an attitude more aligned toward what I was against than what I was for could make that kind of a life work out. But after talking to the guest of today's show, I can begin to see how I might be able to live the life of a rural acupuncturist. We're going to get into all that here in just a moment. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. 
And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on diet as medicine. And the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi, folks. I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. All right, friends, cue up John Denver's Country Roads, and let's get into this conversation with Barbara Bittinger on practicing acupuncture in rural America. Barbara Bittinger, welcome to Geological. Thank you, Michael. I'm glad to be here. So I always like talking to practitioners that are working in somewhat unusual circumstances. And, and maybe it's a little bit of a bias on my part to say that you're in an unusual circumstance. But I think in some ways you are because you're not working in a city. You're like working out in the sticks. You're working in a rural environment. Right. Yeah. I've worked in the city. And so I've experienced that. You know, I wanted to get out of the city just because we had a cabin up in central Wisconsin that we spent a lot of time at and we started enjoying it more and more. And when the last child left home and uh, we also lost, my husband and I both lost our leases, uh, commercial leases to um, a bankruptcy. Uh, Our landlord went bankrupt during that banking crisis. And we're like, oh, wow, we need a wholesale change here. And we're driving up to our cabin one day and you know, actually always drove through Princeton and, you know, half the buildings were empty and we're just like, you know, what are we waiting for? Why don't, why don't we go now? Why don't we find out a way to go now? And I went back to work that following Monday and I was just kind of voicing that 
to my colleague who was working in my clinic at the time, who also knew our place up north and loved it and whatever and totally got it. And she, the next day, came into work and offered to buy my practice. Wow. This was like, wow, I am supposed to leave. <laughs> I'm supposed to go now. <laughs> well, if you want to, you can. Yeah, yeah. And and so we just did it. We just kind of took the plunge, but it was it was a great move. I'm so glad I did it. And I mean, Milwaukee is a great city. It has so much to offer. It's a beautiful city. But we just, you know, we just were at a, a point where um, ready for a change. We were ready for a change, and we loved the the pace of living up here. And I, one thing that I missed, um, partly just the way I grew up, even though I did grow up in a city, but I grew up in more of an ethnic neighborhood and just a very strong sense of community. And I, I missed that aspect, and so I knew I was really going to love being in a small town. And uh, having that sense of community again. So we're, we're going to talk a whole lot about rural practice here in a little bit. I want to hang a little for a moment with this pre-moving moment, so to speak. And I'm wondering what your concerns were about moving out of the city. I mean, before you actually did it, before all the universe kind of shifted and, and just tossed it in your lap. What were your worries? What were the things going through your head? It's like, eh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if it's such a good idea. I can't say I had many. I, I, I really didn't. Um, partly because uh, right out of school, I worked, and, and if you don't know Milwaukee, you don't quite know, know all the demographics, but right out of school, I was given an opportunity to join. Uh, it was actually a massage therapy practice on the south side. And I thought, well, why not? I don't have anything planned yet. Why not? I'll just start there. And it was a very blue collar area, very lots of hardworking people, you know, people that worked in factories their whole lives, really got beaten up, were in pain, had good insurance, saw all the right doctors, but they were still suffering. And those were my patients. And they absolutely loved this medicine. And I didn't you know, I wasn't real conscious of all of that at the time. But then my husband moved into a building uh, in the city. And he's like, there's extra space here. You know, well, you shouldn't be traveling so far to work. Why don't you join me? And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, I'm doing well down here. And when I hit the east side of Milwaukee, I'm really going to be rocking. And uh, so I moved to the east side of Milwaukee. And, and I did well, but it was very different. What was different about it? It was, you know, the people that I used to see were very respectful of this medicine. They were so grateful to have an option. They never would think to cancel at the last minute or no show, no call or try to get my price down or, you know, anything like that. Uh, it was just all very easy. And and I got to the east side and it was, you know. Which is more fluent. Yeah. No shows, no calls, cancel at the last minute, call repeatedly trying to get my rate down. And these are people that actually have the wherewithal to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Isn't that curious? Yeah. And uh, yeah, some some people, you know, I, I I had the feeling they were there. Just it was like, oh, I just want to be able to say I have an acupuncturist. You know, or I, I don't, I didn't feel like I was taken seriously as much as I was with these, these other people. And, and I knew that where I was moving to, it, it was going to be more of this, you know, with, with um, farmers and factory workers and, you know, laborers, people who, who needed help. And appreciated it. Yeah. And when they found it, they were absolutely grateful. And I'm not to say that, it's not to say that the people in the city, you know, not everybody was like that, but I just ran into it more often. And, and also there was that, you know, they got, came in, they got their treatment. They would be, you know, watching their clock, go get me out. I got to be to a meeting, blah, blah, blah. Or there was always the, the people that, um, what do you mean you can't see me before I go to work. I have to be in by eight, you know, <laughs> you know, like, so, you know, you have to come in, you have to set up, you have to be ready for them. And, and then t it's like, 
lots of ex- big expectations and not a lot of respect, I felt, compared to what I was used to. Mm-hmm. You were used to a higher level of respect for your time and your craft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people took it seriously. It, it, and I was shocked at that getting out of school that people would, would take it so seriously. I thought it was going to be a harder sell, you know, you were so lucky. Yeah, I, I really was. I really was. So when I decided to move, I, I, I remembered, you know, that experience and I really felt that, um, it was going to be fine. And, and, and having sold the practice, knowing that I had some income coming in, to start my new practice was a big relief. You know, that was wonderful. It always helps in a transition when we can go step by step. It, it's already a leap of faith to make a change. And if we have to make a, a big leap financially as well, that's that's an extra hardship. You were able to make a leap without without having to worry too much about that. So, so you moved to Princeton. Tell us about Princeton and what your practice is like there. Princeton is about 1,100 people, <laughs> the city. And I'd say most of my patients are, are locals. We are fairly close to a resort area with a, where a lot of Illinois people have homes, summer homes and things like that. And I occasionally see those people. But I, for the most part, I'm, I'm seeing the locals uh, it's just a beautiful community. Uh, it's a variety of people. There are other transplants like me here, but there are a lot of people who uh, were born here and really haven't left. <laughs> you know, they really haven't experienced much beyond this area. What are the kinds of things that you see people for? I'm, I'm wondering, is there a different in, in sort of the ailments or I, I hate that term ailments, but, but the things that people come to you for. Yeah, it is different. Yeah. You characterize that for us. How's it different? Well, in, in Milwaukee, I, I saw a lot more people for stress <laughs> and I saw a lot of children. I saw a lot of children for stress and anxiety. And when you say children, what ages? Oh, from, you know, seven to 16 or you know, and a, and a lot of it was lifestyle. A lot of it is, you know, these kids that are in, you know, dance and soccer and piano and, you know, forensics. And I mean, they're just in so much, there's just so much stress on them. And they just, yeah, you know, fortunately, their parents think to bring them in. But a lot of a lot of stress issues, I'd say, and stress and and pain in Milwaukee. Um, but up here, I'd say the majority of the people come in for pain related issues, but I get it's all over the board. You know, I I have some patients here for uh, infertility. Um, I have people in for skin conditions. I have, you know, diabetics, diabetics love this. What do they love so much about it? They love the relief for the, the peripheral neuropathy. And it does tend to help regulate their blood sugar. I had a patient who stopped seeing me at one point. She wasn't coming to me for her blood sugar. She was coming to me for something else. But her blood sugar started getting better to the point where she needed to change her medication. And and guess what she did not want to do? What? She didn't want to change her medication. Oh, why? Because her doctor said that this is the medication you should take. And now she was being over-medicated and she decided to quit the acupuncture instead of... Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting how people will take that kind of news. Some people go, wow, my blood sugar's better. Thank you. This is great. Other people look at it and go, I I didn't expect this to change my blood sugar. This is not okay with me. Oh, and you know, because I experienced that, I tend to tell diabetic patients, uh, one thing I do is tell them that they need to have a little protein snack before they come in because just the treatment itself can make their blood sugar drop. But I do tell them that they have to keep an eye on it, you know, that it, it could change. So I've not had anybody disappointed in that. Um, but I, I can see that. I, I think I had a thyroid patient where their thyroid improved and they were like, oh, I don't want to mess with my thyroid medication, you know. Mm-hmm. That happens on occasion. Yeah. But so I see a number of women uh, for hormone issues, menopause and injuries. So, I mean, I'm kind of a city guy myself, although on occasion I used to think, yeah, I'd like to be out in the country somewhere and 
I don't know. It's, it's, as time has gone on, I've, I've kind of learned to enjoy my, my city mouse living. Yeah. I like access to restaurants and except we don't have restaurants right now. We're in the middle of- Now oh. you're in the same boat I am. <laughs> that, that has been the hardest thing. Yeah. The hardest thing has been food. I was wondering about that. It's been food. It's getting better and better. And in fact, Little Princeton has some amazing new places. I mean, really better than, than Milwaukee, I could say. I mean, really, yeah, we've got, we've got some new places. Things are starting to hop here. So that's good. Unfortunately, they're, they're closed right now, except for takeout, but we have a great new European bakery that also serves food. And, um, we have another great restaurant and yeah, it's, so it's changing, but yeah, and the grocery stores are changing. It used to be mm-hmm. like we, 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 every two weeks, take a cooler to the city, you know, <laughs> and get our food. I, I was wondering about that. I mean, that's one of the things that I think about. Um, I know that at times, I, you know, we'll go out for a drive somewhere, we'll go somewhere and we'll go through these little towns and they've got these little main streets right. that are just, they're just like gorgeous. It's like, oh my God, the buildings are in pretty good repair and they're, they've got character and there's plenty of for rent signs. Mm-hmm. That's Princeton. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I think sometimes, man, it'd be great to live in a place like this. But I wonder about that sense of isolation. Or, or at least I imagine a sense of isolation. Am I wrong about that? Or is there just other ways that you find community happen in a place like that? You do. I mean, it's a diff- it's a different sort of thing on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, when I was in Milwaukee and I was, you know, close to the east side where a lot was happening and but it's just the it the city can also, you know, for some people grind you down. And so you get home from work and you, you know, you were planning to go do something, go to a show or go do and you go, Oh, I don't know. Do you really want to drive back down and drive all over looking for parking and then try to, you know, and then stand in line and you know, so so as much as we had around us in Milwaukee, we didn't take advantage of it enough, you know, where we would come up here and we did a lot of socializing. We didn't think twice about doing anything. So, and people are, you know, very social and, you know, there's, there's plenty of, plenty of people around. I, I know a lot of people will say, oh, you know, or even people that have moved here and they don't like it. They, they complain and, uh, just say there just aren't any people I like, or I can't find my people. And I'm, I guess my feeling is, is that there are good people everywhere. You just have to find them. You just have to put yourself out there and you'll find them, you know? And, um, and then when we get, you know, um, an urge to be in the city, we just get in the car and go. And, and what's interesting is, you know, when I was in Milwaukee, Milwaukee was it. I did everything in Milwaukee. Milwaukee was my city. Um, once in a while, you'd go to Chicago or something. But I'm up here, and I have not cities as big as Milwaukee, but pretty big. You know, Madison, Stevens Point, Appleton. Oshkosh, I can go, hmm, what city do I want to go to today? In some ways, your choices are bigger. So it was like, yeah, I have all these cities. What's my mood today? <laughs> and they have food and good shopping. But honestly, even these rural areas around here are getting better. I mean, there's more of us that have moved here. Um, just the internet and, and you know, people networking and knowing what's out there and knowing what options are and wanting them are asking, you know, the local grocers can you please bring this in? Can, can you have more organics? Can you, you know, we'll support you. A lot of times the grocery, the grocers don't even know how many people are leaving their community and buying their groceries somewhere else. Hello everyone. Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine, dietary therapy for over two decades in New York city. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. 
See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. So if you go to them and you say, look, I'd, I'd love to support you, and here's what I'd like, they're probably really grateful. They are. Yep. As, as long as they see that you actually do come in and buy it, you know. And, and the other cool thing around here is we have a lot of CSAs. They're popping up everywhere. We've had one here for probably over 10 years, and, and now we have more of them, and we have ranches. We've got bison and cattle and... You know, so we've right. got a grass-fed beef, all that. Yeah, good stuff. so we we we've actually, are, you know, now are the ones with really direct access to some of this good stuff. You know, it's it's so funny. I remember growing up, sort of in the suburbs of St. Louis, not not rural, but kind of suburban. And you know, as a kid growing up, you know, like in the late '60s, '70s, we'd look at we'd look at the guys on the farms and stuff. And it was like, oh, those rednecks, yeah, right. And and now it's like those rednecks are the guys, you know, and the women that are supplying us with the grass fed beef and the really good vegetables. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it's just it's funny to watch. For me, it's funny to watch my own mindset change over the years. Well, and what's what I love, at least in our area, and I really think it is happening all over, is how many of the younger generation are getting into that. You know, it's the, uh, you know, they're, they're really embracing this whole, you know, back to the land and, and um, feeding the community. And, you know, so that's all good. Well, you know, we had that back to the land thing in the 60s and early 70s. Yeah. What happened to that? <laughs> well, I my suspicion is we did not understand the business piece and we did not know how to make that a sustainable enterprise. The initial impulse was really good. The initial impulse was like, yeah, that makes sense, but we didn't know how to do it. And it seems like these days people are figuring out this is how you do it. And it does take this the sense of being interwoven with the community of people that you support and in turn support you. Mm -hmm. And I think, I, I think it has to do with, because I, I was involved back in the, in the first CSA in Wisconsin, um, a group of families, we all started one and, you know, it was wonderful. But when we tried to open it to a bigger group, we discovered that people did not get the concept what did they miss? What they missed was that, yes, you share in the, in the produce and, and, you know, in the profit and, and everything, but you also share in the losses. So when the field floods, I'm sorry, you can still only take your share and people would be, well, I paid $250 and I want my $250 worth of produce. And it, you know, it doesn't work that way. And they'd come load up their vans and drive back to the city. And you're like, no, that's not, you know, so it could be that the, the communities weren't ready for it yet, too. You know, they, they didn't quite grasp that whole cooperative model. Well, in that thing of sharing the profit and sharing the loss, if you're buying a share, it's like buying a share in a company. In a, in a bumper crop year, you're eating well. In a year when it floods, you're keeping your farmer afloat. Right, right. That's, that's, and I think that's a tough thing because we're usually in the society, it's like, I'm paying this much money because I'm going to get this much of something. And yeah, so that, that's a tough, I mean, in medicine, it's a similar thing. Most people come to us because I've got this thing I want to get rid of, or I got this thing I want to get, could be either one of those. I'm going to pay you this amount of money because you're going to help me get it or get rid of it. Right. And we know that medicine doesn't always work that way. <laughs> no, especially when they think they're like, if you don't use enough needles in their mind, you know, <laughs> or, or you don't treat everything they came, you know, well, I have this here and I have that. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's focus in what, you know, what can we focus in today? But I want all of it, you know, they want all of it and they want, you know, and they're paying and they, they want it all. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, our Western medicine, if you've got a problem with your knee, go see the knee guy. If you got a problem with your shoulder, you go see that, you know, that woman who really knows shoulders and they wouldn't think to ask the shoulder person to work on the knee. 
Yeah. It, it, and right. We have to explain that to people that, you know, we're, we're balancing the whole body, not just focusing on the knee, you know, and looking at what, what were the underlying causes that made your knee end up like that, you know? My suspicion is whether it's country or city, we're doing a lot of education in terms of what Chinese medicine actually is. Yes. I, and I think when you, going back to your question of what I might have been afraid of, I, I maybe was afraid of how I was going to get these Chinese medicine concepts across to these people who have never had anything like this in their community. You know, that that definitely was a bit of a concern. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you get it across to your salt-of-the-earth blue-collar workers? You know, I I did it in a roundabout way. <laughs> I, I was cognizant of, first of all, that I was a city person and that there was an attitude here regarding city people because they're over Princeton's history. There have been various, uh, you know, renaissance where the city folks came in and bought up the buildings and put their businesses in and whatever, and then failed. Well, prior to my coming, it was the banking crisis and, and these businesses went under and, and then their buildings sat empty for years because they couldn't cover their mortgages. They couldn't get enough selling them to cover their mortgages. And, and so I knew that I, I, you know, people were looking at me like, Oh, what's she going to do in that space now? You know, as well they should. Yeah. And, and, and what the heck does she think she's going to do? Why, why is she going to do that there? <laughs> so, um, and, and I'm in a, you know, kind of a retail area. So that was like, oh, service business is going into one of our prime real estate places. And I, I had to say, listen, you know, people who want this medicine are going to come and they're going to come from outside of Princeton and they're going to come to your business too then. You know, I had to, mm-hmm. I had to get them to, to realize that, uh, this was a good thing having this service, and and then with the people, I decided, you know, I can't like bring them in and give them a lecture, you know, uh, you know, Chinese medicine one hundred and one. Uh, they don't even want to hear it. So I had more time on my hands, obviously, and I had a beautiful space, and uh, uh, my background had been in art. So I thought, well, why don't I throw some gallery rails up on the walls and invite artists to show their artwork and have little art openings in here and just let the community come in and eat a little food and drink some wine and nose around my treatment rooms and, and, uh, see what happens, you know? And so I, I ran these openings the first couple of years, I guess, which was really fun. And I got to meet people and then little by little people would be, Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm curious about this or I'm, you know, tell me more about what you do or do you think you could help this? And, and so they just gradually got to know me and what I do. And, and then I did some free classes and, and again, with the free classes, I made it non-threatening. I didn't want people, you know, what I found is, uh, we were down, downtown was doing a lot of events for the, for the community, you know, um, just, Oh, beer tasting or a sweet event or this or that. And, and all this, all the businesses are supposed to be open and, you know, welcoming people in. And I found that I, you know, I did those events for the first year and nobody came in. Nobody came in, even though I had cookies too, you know, (laughs) no one came in. What do you suppose that was about? Well, I, I talked to the dentist and the pharmacist and, you know, it turns out they, they just didn't go to any service businesses. And, and part of it too is, you know, I, I thought I could be wrong that they're thinking, I'm not going to walk in there. She might rope me into something or. Right. She might try to sell me something right, that right. I don't want. Yeah. And I thought it's probably just, they, they just, they're uncomfortable. Like they, they don't want to say no to me. Like, like, no, I'm not interested in your service. And. Uh, you know, I really felt I needed to be non-threatening that way and, and just offer something that, you know, anybody could, could use. I think my first class may have been a medicinal soup class and, you know, who doesn't like soup in the fall? And, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I had a bunch of soups made and then I, I brought a burner and a walk-in and, you know, made some soup in front of them and, it was just a fun thing. And then I got to interject my, you know, Chinese diet therapy and 
<laughs> and and start to use a little of the language that we use to get them, you know. So just each time I did that, something like that, or or a little Qigong demo at the um, Legion Post or, you know, something like that, I gradually would introduce them to these concepts. You know, it seems, and I think this is true, whether you're a country mouse or a city mouse, people need to feel like they can trust you. Yeah. It's like, it's like who are you mm -hmm. and are you trustworthy? Right. I needed to, right. I needed to, and I, and I needed to prove to them that I was, I was here for good, you know, that I was serious about this, that this is home now and, and this is my community and um, I'm not going to be one of those people that, that came and went, you know, that I've made a, 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 com a financial commitment here. And, uh, you know, that makes a difference too. Yeah, that would be huge, especially if people have lived there their whole life. They've seen places come and go. It's like, well, who's this chick who just moved into town? Yeah, we'll see what happens with this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I got some comments in the beginning, and fortunately, I'm pretty thick-skinned, but... You know, I, I had one woman uh, one day just came barging through my front door, you know, just like really loud and just like ah, came in. I said, oh, you know, may I help you? And she said, oh, I just needed to see who who couldn't make it in the big city. Uh -huh. <laughs> that idea never crossed my mind, never entered my mind that people would think that. Right. I love it. I love it. That's. Yes. I, and so I just said, you mean who escaped the city? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I would, I would get, or I people have people just pop in. I'm, I'm right next door to a bar. I mean, my entry door is right next to their entry door. So talk about the yin and yang, right? So uh, sometimes people would uh, come out of the bar, you know, people that were interested, but they're not going to come in before they went to the bar. They might come out of the bar and, and pop in here, you know, and then, hey, does this stuff really work? <laughs> After they had a few drinks and someone made them a bet, you go over and talk to that acupuncturist. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. And, you know, and you hear people walking by the window, acupuncture, go on, go on in there, you know, kind of daring their friends to go in or so, right. Yeah. You know, I realized um, right on, right away that I needed to um, gain respect for sure. And, but, you know, in a small town, if you, if you treat them respectfully, you get it back. You'll, so you'll get it back. Yeah. Well, I'm in the Midwest. Lived most of my life in the Seattle area, but I've been in the Midwest now for about 10 years. And one of the things that I figured I needed to deal with straight on, just take it straight on, is, is that does this work question, right? People are naturally going to be skeptical. And from mm -hmm. my point of view, especially in, you know, in a place like the Midwest, maybe not so much these days, but certainly when I first got here. Mm-hmm. They're skeptical. They should be skeptical. I'm kind of worried about them if they're not skeptical. They haven't had exposure to this. Maybe they've heard of someone who did, but they are rightly, I mean, they come by their skepticism uh, naturally, you know, and for good reasons. And so I have always in my marketing and in my initial work with people approached it head on. Right. When they ask, you know, does it work? It's like, well, that's a good question. I mean, where people come in, they go, well, I don't know if this works. It's like, well, you shouldn't know if it works or not. You, you know, you didn't have an uncle when you were a kid that would treat you with acupuncture. You know, you've never had this. Yeah. But let me ask you this question. The people who come in and go, and they've never had acupuncture and they go, I believe in this. How well do those work out for you? People have never had it, and they say, I believe in it. How well does that go for you? Most of the people who have come in and said that actually didn't make appointments. <laughs> They're the ones that I think are, are patronizing me. They're just like, oh, yeah, I, I totally believe in this. and But then they often don't make the appointment. So I've had more than enough people. In fact, I see this as a red flag now. They'll come in. They make an appointment. I believe in this. It means I will see them once, maybe twice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of just immediately get that impression too, that they're not serious about it. I mean, why did, because why do they need to tell me that they believe in it? I think they're serious. 
I think they're serious about thinking it's a miracle. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a different angle. Um, hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You know, I was, it's interesting though, uh, I was not prepared. Sounds like you were, but I was not prepared for people asking me, does this work? I'm not sure why I wasn't. I guess because I love it. And I, it's to me when, you know, when I was in school, I felt like, oh my gosh, I've been let in on the greatest secret of the universe. And, you know, I just kind of <laughs> always went from that premise. And so <laughs> how could, how could they question it? <laughs> so that's funny, but I, but I am skeptical of people who come in and say, I believe in this. Well, I'm skeptical by nature. Yeah, I am. So I'm, so when people come in and they're skeptical, I'm like, Ooh, good. We're in the same tribe. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess I am too. I, I'm I'm a questioner. I'm a big questioner. So I guess that makes me a bit of a skeptic too, but. Yeah. I mean, for me, skeptic does not mean I don't believe it. Skeptic is. Prove it to me or. Well, I am from the show me state, but it, for me, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's that it's like, I need a few data points. Yes. You need to satisfy that left brain. And I need a few data points. I need to see, does this help? How does it help? And I mean, that's how I was in school, you know, in school, I was just like, this is all crazy stuff they're telling me. And, 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 but then when I started to see it in clinic, like, wow, that's exactly what they told me I'd see. Uh, yes. And that, and that to me is what proved it. Cause I can remember like, you know, reading things in acupuncture points, this, you know, or acupuncture books, this point does this and this does that and blah, blah, blah. And, and so part of me is going, Ooh, that's super cool. And part of me is going, this is crazy. Some person <laughs> just wrote this in a book. You could write anything in a book. Right. I know. I know. Right. And then you put a needle in and they go, wow, I feel that in my, you put a needle in their elbow and they go, wow, I feel that in my finger. And, and then you like trace the channel. And they go, how did you know? And it's like, uh -huh. I know, yeah, yeah. Or you get a really sensitive patient, you know, and you, you put PC6 in and all of a sudden they say, oh, I'm feeling something in my rib cage. Am I supposed to feel something there? Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, 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 it's a lot of fun to do the medicine. There's no doubt about that. The, the people that you see there. Do you feel like you interact differently with them than you would say a, a city folk? Is, is, is the actual interaction in the clinic somehow different than what you would do say on the, on the East side? Yeah, it is. It's less formal. It's um, and that wasn't really by my doing. I was kind of forced into it. Boundary. People just don't have the same boundaries here. And I don't really see it as a bad thing, but the first few years it, 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 you know, took me by surprise. In what way? How are the boundaries different? Um, if somebody wanted to communicate with me, you know, I might be back in a treatment room and come out and they've left a note on my desk chair, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like, wait a minute, someone was behind my desk or, uh, you know, people definitely want you to be more accessible, I think. And, and I, I, I probably didn't have to be, I mean, I, frankly, over time, I've enjoyed it because they really are my people. They're, they're my, they're like my family. And, and, uh, and, and they, and I think they know too, that if I, if I don't get back to them right away or whatever, if they've called me in off hours or whatever, that, you know, nobody's ever gotten mad or said, oh, I left you a message or I texted you or, you know, nobody's ever gotten mad, but it, it just took me by surprise that people, you know, expect, do expect you to be a little more accessible and, um, they're definitely more casual and they're uh, more interested in you personally, I think, than people in the city were. I mean, and it's just, it's just by nature, you know, in the city, if you walking down the sidewalk and somebody starts waving and talking to you, you kind of go the other way thinking there might be something not right with the person. Here, everybody's popping out of their shops and they're, good morning, good morning. Hey, hey, you come, you know, it's just, that's just how it is. You mm -hmm. know, people are in each other's business a little bit more, I guess, but I, I haven't experienced that in a bad way. You know, it sounds very inclusive. You are woven into the community is what it sounds like. Definitely. I mean, and we, we have our town gossips and whatever, and 
I was alerted to who they were from the first day. And <laughs> you just, uh, you, I, I'm not doing anything that, that I'm worried about anyone talking about, you know, so I, I don't really care. Um, it's good to know if you need a message to get spread somewhere, exactly. who yeah. to tell it to. Yep. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. Or if you want to mess with them, right. <laughs> just make something up. <laughs> but you know, that's all part of it. That's all part of it. That's just, just like, you know, it's, it seems stereotypical, but yeah. Well, often stereotypical things have this element of truth about them. Yes. Yes. So, it, you know, that one cuts both ways. It, it just, to me, the, 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 the trade-off of some of that is totally worth it because I'm in a place where I don't ever worry I mean, I feel safe. I never struggle. I don't struggle with anything. There is always someone to lend a hand. I mean, you can't go through your front door with a big, heavy object with somebody suddenly rushing to your assistance. You know, I mean, it's just this the way it is. People just help each other out and watch out for each other. And, you know, and to me that that's um, really valuable for me. It's just it's just a nice way for me to live. Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP-certified facilities, and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. I'm just taking a moment to let that one sink in. You know, and, and, and I compare it to with what you were saying that on the street where you live, someone could say hello, and that's a sign of connection. If that was happening in a bigger city, someone waving at you and saying hello might actually be a danger signal. Right. You know, like where I was before on the east side of Milwaukee, it could be pan a panhandler trying to get my attention or, I mean, who knows, you know, but it's just, it's just somehow, I don't know how we got that way in the city, but somehow in the city, we, you know, we keep our own space on the sidewalk and we don't, we don't reach out to a stranger on the sidewalk. We just don't. Yeah. It could be dangerous. And here it just happens all the time. I was out this morning putting flowers in my flower pots in front of the office and not one person that walked by or walked into the bar <laughs> didn't stop and chat. You know, I didn't know any of these people, but they all stopped you know, wow, had something, something to say, you know, briefly, but it just makes your day. It's like, wow, that's so nice. So there really is a fabric of community that exists in a smaller community that we just don't have the same kind of thing in our bigger cities. I think unless you are in, in a more like an ethnic neighborhood or, you know, a suburb or I think so. I mean, I did live in a, it was considered a village, but it was part of a suburb of Milwaukee. I, I lived for a while and that, that had quite a bit of the fee, the same feel as, as here, but, but yet different, <laughs> not quite, not quite as genuine, you know. What about issues of confidentiality? I know that, you know, a lot of us are worried about HIPAA, we want to make sure that we keep appropriate boundaries around confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it's like you go to the grocery store and maybe you see a patient, but you're going to be like, 
well, you know, at least in the city area, you, you know, you're not going to be waving to your patient in a grocery store. Maybe they'll wave to you, right? What do you, in a smaller community, how do you work with some of these privacy issues, especially when, you know, you're treating, you know, Bud and Marge and their cousin Sue. Multiple generations. Multiple generations. And everybody's talking to everybody mm -hmm. about you anyway. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. How do you work with that? I guess I don't worry about it too much. I mean, you know, people say hi or chat with me in the grocery store. We don't talk about how we know each other. We just, you know, so, th so that's all fine. Where it can get a little tricky is when a family member or a friend of someone comes in and they think they might get some information and I just have to, you know, uh, I don't know that I've ever had to say, I cannot say anything to you. I just don't, you know, I just sort of listen to them and I don't bite on it, you know? So yeah, it's hard when you get to know everybody and you know, their relationships, it's hard. It's hard. You know, you have to, you have to make an effort to not slip and, and just in casual conversations, say something, but I don't believe I ever have. I hope I haven't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems to be a thing. And I noticed the longer I practice, you know, in one area and you start seeing someone who was referred to someone who was referred by someone, I mean, it, it it's, it's hard not to be enmeshed in our communities. Yeah. And especially if somebody's referred someone, they'll sometimes come in questioning about whether they made an appointment and, or somebody recently died and they say, well, you know, I called Barb to let her know because I know she sees them. And then they tell me that. And then they say, um, I, I, you know, I told them I wasn't sure what you were seeing them for, you know, but it's sort of, they're leading to me into, you know, telling them what I was seeing them for. And I, I just don't say anything. Yeah. You just don't bite on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes a certain kind of mindfulness. Yeah. You know, it's one of the I guess one of the challenges of the benefit of being deeply socially connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, you know, I haven't seen too many problems with that. I would say, mm -hmm. which is good. What about in terms of finances and such? I mean, I think a lot of us city dwellers think, Oh, those folks out in the rural lands, maybe they're not doing so well. Do you, do you find that to be the case? Do you, barter for your work? How does... It's pretty secure. And I have some concerns about the future, however, um, because this group of people won't be here, you know, forever. And uh, right now, you know, in areas like this, you know, you have a lot of people who did have uh, good factory jobs and whatnot, and they had good insurance and they had good pensions and they're retired. I see a lot of people who are retired from these places and they're pretty, they're, they're well set, you know, they're not wealthy, but they're very comfortable and, and their fixed income is not terribly small. And, and, and um, they don't really travel much. They don't, you know, they, they live a more simple life and, and this is how they choose to spend their money. And, that's, you know, fantastic for me. You know, I, I remember um, a patient coming in. I, I maybe was here about a year or two. And she came in just very serious. She said, I just, I just need to ask you, are you okay? Are you doing okay? And I said, yeah, I'm doing great. Why? She said, well, I just, I just want to make sure you're doing okay financially and everything. And I said, oh, my gosh. I said, I am already almost up to where I was in, when I left Milwaukee and I'm working less. I'm, I'm not working as hard. And she said, well, how could that be? And I said, because people here uh, pay their bills <laughs> and they don't try to get it for less. <laughs> and she just got very serious and, and kind of upset. She just looked at me and said, well, why wouldn't we? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? Oh my goodness. And I was like, yeah, I know. Why wouldn't you? But that wasn't my experience. And, and, and honestly, I, I was so fortunate. Uh, I, I don't think I was even here a year when I kind of dissolved the whole agreement with my friend who bought me out and I just said, you know, cause she was struggling with 
you know, my patients moving over to her, you know, people get come, you know, they get attached to their acupuncturist and they don't want a different one. It doesn't matter how good you are. They just, they get this attitude. And so I thought, you know, she's struggling there too, trying to get established in my old practice and, and I'm doing fine. And this has worked out for both of us and let's just, we're, we're good. So I was, I was very fortunate. You were very fortunate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know that a lot of new practitioners, they come out of school, often they're in a bigger city and it's, it's tough getting a practice going in a city where there's an acupuncture school or schools. There's often a lot of acupuncturists there. You know, it can be a rough go getting started. What do you have any advice for new practitioners if they might want to like strike out into the hinterlands? And I'd say to try to get to know the the community you want to go to. Try to get a feel for what are the issues there. You know, like here we had the issues of of businesses coming and going, and city folks coming and going, and city folks not offering things to the community. They were offering things to the tourists that would come through or, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't reach out to the community. And so, you know, so those were the hurdles I had to get over. Um, so get to know the community. What are, what are the community's issues? Uh, how friendly is it to, to do business there? Um, I actually was living a half hour north of here and closer to a a bigger city, but it wasn't a friendly city to do business in. And it didn't have foot traffic. They let the highway go through their their main street and um, it it just didn't have the vibe and it, it didn't have the community support and the business, the businesses that were there were not, uh, very well connected to each other. Um, so if you get to know, you spend some time and get to know, actually try to get to know some of the business people or, um, you know, I did that. I, I kind of immersed myself in, in, um, the downtown before I came here and got to know some people so that when I moved in, it wasn't like I, I was a complete stranger. And then, I found years ago when I had a cafe in that little village that I realized early on that people want to take ownership of your business. You know, when you're in a small community, they want to say, that's my coffee shop. That's my cafe. And they want to say, that's my, that's our acupuncture office. And so if you allow them to feel ownership, listen to their ideas and, and, give them respect and that they, they will, they'll welcome you. You know, I think that, that a lot of it just has to do with letting them know that you're there for them and, and, and that you need them too, you know? Um, so doing some of these little events, non-threatening events (laughs) is good. Or finding someone who really loves what you're going to do and see if they can help you promote it. Maybe it's the librarian. I had a great, we had a great librarian here that, you know, was helpful. Are there some ideas that people came to you with that you at first thought, oh my God, that's a little bit weird, but then found yourself implementing? Let me think. It's been so long. How long have you been there? You know what? I have been here 10 years to the day. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I thought of it yesterday. I was like, oh my gosh, it was Memorial weekend. I was in setting up the office to open after the holiday and a couple walked in and wanted acupuncture. And I thought, you know, on, on the Friday before, and I thought, well, why not? (laughs) So yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So this, um, yeah. So it's been a while, I think maybe in, um, more, I suppose, in product or something, because they don't really know what I do service-wise. So I'd say some of the uh, suggestions had to do with product or asking me if I would put some retail in just because I was downtown. And I did it. And, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't work. You know, I do retail now, but it's, it's retail, it's Chinese herbs and, you know, things that, uh, and supplements and things that my patients want. But, but initially I, I, 
I entertained those ideas to let them know that I, I was going to work with them, you know, that, uh, that, um, yeah, I took on what they considered a retail space and, and patients saying, Oh, you know, I used to, used to drive to Oshkosh to get this or that. Can I get it from you? Or, you know, things like that. So nothing really big here. It sounds like a lot of it is, how do I, I mean, again, I, I keep coming back to this idea that to, to work it in a small town like you're doing, it's about paying attention to the fabric of the community. Yeah, it really is. I mean, in a much bigger way than, I mean, we always have to be connected to whatever community that we're working in. You're right. Much, you're right. That is. But it's different. It's it's somehow qualitatively different. It's much more important because people are going to talk about you. You know, I saw all kinds of people in Milwaukee, but none of them knew each other. So if someone didn't like you, you know, eh, what, you know, and if someone did like you, uh, you might not get that many referrals either. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, it is different. You, you have to, yeah. So people are going to talk about you. You need to plan on it. Mm, I, I'm guessing. I Fortunately, I haven't heard many things. I, I really haven't. I, I assume that I'm talked about, but... Well, of um, course you're talked about because that's that's called word of mouth marketing. Right, which that's all I have. I've never I've never run a print ad. I've never had to do anything. All all I've had to do here is word of mouth. Don't don't I would say don't bother with advertising. It is about word of mouth here. Well, I think it's about word of mouth anywhere. Yeah, I think so with what we do, right? I I really do. I mean, I I cannot imagine for myself going to find a dentist, a doctor, an acupuncturist, uh you know, any healthcare practitioner, because I found them in a magazine or a publication. And I certainly wouldn't want to see one who was on a billboard. <laughs> That's just me. Maybe other people. No, I, I totally agree with you. You know, but I, I, I mean, I kind of joke about it. You know, we talk about word of mouth, but it really is gossip. Word of mouth referrals are gossip. I guess you're right. I guess we, you're right want our patients to gossip about us. Yeah. And you know, what's great in a small town where everybody knows each other is you only need one good successful case and you'll be busy. And you know, that happened to me early on and, and that was just like, wow, that's just so fantastic. So are you saying it's easier to start a practice in a rural community than it is in a city? Well, it was for me. And I did go to school with a number of people who lived in smaller towns. And they, after school, went back to those small towns and opened their practices. And I haven't been in touch with many of them um, in the last, I'd say, five years. But prior to that, they, they, they were doing absolutely fine. They, they, no problem. It, it was, they were, they were as busy as they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I now am busier than I want to be. So I've brought on a, another practitioner. It was a, um, it's a guy who worked with me in Milwaukee at my clinic in Milwaukee. And uh, now he's, he was living in China for the last seven years. And now he's joined my practice in Princeton. That's fantastic. That's a great problem to have. Yeah. I'm too yeah. busy. Yeah. Well, part of it is I want to semi-retire. I mean, I, I can never see myself, you know, not doing this, but I have a grandchild now and other things, you know, I just want to, want to be able to, my, our kids are all out of state and I just would like to do some other living and uh, you can't do that and let, let people down. Right. So now you've got someone to help you see patients. Right. And do a little bit of spaciousness. Right. Right. And do some things I wanted to do here for a long time. But you know, when you're wearing most of the hats, you just don't get it done. I've, I've got space to, uh, to do things and um, just don't have the time to do it. So, so what are you going to do? Well, my waiting room is, is really, it's big and it's wasted space. And I would, I, when I was in Milwaukee, one thing I miss is when I was in Milwaukee, I, I had a compounding herb pharmacy and I, I love that. I just loved the herbs and up here that has been a harder sell. And, and when I do herbs, people want a pill, you know, most often they want a pill. So, but, 10 years, things have changed a lot up here and a lot more people are even asking for herbs and a lot more people are willing to try teas. 
And so I'd like to bring the herb thing back, you know, in that way, in that way and make it like upfront and in front of people, like an actual, um, maybe a a tonic bar or something, you know, something with, uh, you know, where they can have some herbs made for them right there and drink it, you know, a little Yangsheng along with the, uh, other medicinal, you know, I suspect, I suspect it helps too, that you've been there for 10 years people know you're known, you're trusted. Right, right. That's you're woven yes. into that community. And so yes. now you show up with herbs and people go, Ooh. Yeah, they're gonna now now they're gonna be willing to try it, I really do think. Barbara, anything else that you'd like to share with folks about living in a small town and doing acupuncture or any you know, any further thoughts or advice to people that might have been thinking about this for a bit and how they might proceed? Yeah, I think I- I just say, you know, the, just like I was saying before, you know, get to know the community before you jump in and then jump in. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, it's not, it's just, it, it really has to do with the bottom line is it, it has to do with how do you want to live? You know, what is the lifestyle that you're looking for? Because it is a different lifestyle. I mean, in, in Milwaukee, everyone wanted to see me you know, at six in the morning, uh, people here don't get up early, you know, it's a different, it's a different pace and it's a, a different, a different clock here, you know? So, uh, what kind of life do you, do you want to live? Because if, if you come to a, a small town like this, you, you do, like you were saying, get woven into the fabric of the community. This is, this is going to be your life, you know? And so do you want that? Do you want, do you want that lifestyle? And, and, and then the other thing is, I mean, depending on where you go, of course, it, you st- you can still visit the city. It's still there. <laughs> it's still there. And you'll have more energy to go do it. Exactly. It'll be exciting to go and right, right. But yeah, I just, it's totally doable. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending a little time and talking with us about this. It was my pleasure to go down memory lane here. (laughs) Let me think about how I got here. After living in big Asian cities, I never imagined I'd want to live in that rural environment that I imagined in my youth. But after talking with Barbara, you know, I kind of see it as a possibility at this point. And if I was a new practitioner and I didn't want the competition of a big city or with an acupuncture school or two in it, then that rural life just might be the way to go for peace of mind, a low cost of living, and the chance to really serve a community to which I felt connected. You know what's great about the COVID summer? I can't get on an airplane. And so the family and I are headed off to an old-fashioned road trip, except instead of cassette tapes with music, We have phones with podcasts, movies, and audiobooks. I reckon, unlike when I was a kid, there's not going to be too much noise coming from the backseat. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.